pre-dropped here, no doubt. Yeah, pre-dropped. Whoa, that thing came out sideways. Drove it into the penalty area. Whoa, yeah. Oh, that was a shank. It's hard to believe watching this. It made an unbelievable bogey in the drop zone. Good morning, folks. Happy Monday morning. Uh, you know, maybe it's Monday evening by the time you're listening to this. Dylan DeChair coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, where it is projected to hit almost 100 degrees today. I'm here with Sean Zock, who is in Chicago, where he just was attending the BMW Championship. Tell me another podcast that has one of the hosts covering the Tour Championship, the other hosts covering the BMW Championship. We got all the playoff events absolutely flanked. Yeah, you were... Is there another golf podcast that has that? You were still on the ground at the BMW when I was <laughs> in the air on the way... I was I was flying like a FedEx package, <laughs> overnight delivery to Atlanta, and uh, I think I beat I beat oh. most of the players here probably. Man, that reminds me of one of the most brutal uh, like advertisements, like um, native advertising or whatever the hell you'd call it, uh, as part of the broadcast yesterday uh, on CBS. There was the delivery of the FedEx Cup trophy to Eastlake, and it was just this essential commercial for FedEx, just all these shots of the FedEx truck, and you're just watching a truck roll into the driveway of Eastlake, and then suddenly there's a man putting a trophy like on the first tee or something like that, and it is just like, oh, so that's that's the whatever, $75 million, $100 million FedEx sponsorship. That's that's what they're getting here. That's what they're getting. Sean, it is the end of the tour season, or it's about to be at least. Hoping to talk to a few guys this week and just you know pick their brains on how their years have gone. Um, it'll be a self-selected crew because by virtue of making it to East Lake, their years have probably gone pretty well. Um, but looking forward to seeing some of the players, some of the action. I have trying to pick out my outfits my clothes for the week in a way to kind of avoid a lucas glover situation but i am (laughs) concerned to say the least um i don't i don't do great in serious heat once the faucet kind of gets turned on i I think that is the only sad part about the 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 change of the tour schedule i think you and i've been super complimentary of the change in the schedule but it means that we have to push all the playoff events into August, which means we're going to Memphis in early August. We're going to probably, I guess you would call it like middle America, Chicago, Denver, St. Louis, New York in the middle of August. And then we're going to freaking the South. We're going to Atlanta in late August when it's just brutally hot, often humid, storms everywhere. The, The ground is soft. It feels nothing like Scotland or England in the summertime. Um, but that's that's the American golf story. Um, Dylan, before we go any further, I would like to tell you, I'd also like to tell our faithful listeners about our sponsor this week. It is Ocean City, Maryland. Dylan, you can rise with the tide and play like a pro in Ocean City, Maryland. You can choose from 17 world-renowned courses designed by golf legends like Jack Nicklaus, Arthur Hills, and Gary Player. You know those guys. Swing through sweeping vistas at Eagle's Landing. You can savor the stunning bay views of Lighthouse Sound, or you can see for yourself why Ocean City Golf Club is considered 
one of the Mid-Atlantic's finest fairways. Whether you're sneaking in a quick round on a family vacation or going all in on a golf getaway, Dylan, this is the place to be, Ocean City, Maryland, where you don't have to be a legend to play like a legend. To learn more, visit ococean.com. That is ococean.com to learn more. Love having a sponsor on the drop zone. When are you going to Maryland, Dylan? I don't know. I got to check out that fairway. <laughs> um, I am close enough right now, but I don't think it's going to be this time around. I've got a good pal, Dra- Azoni, our friend Pat from Baltimore. So he probably knows a thing or two about Ocean City, Maryland, uh, but lives in Seattle with us. Sean, I want to tackle a few a few issues with you today. I want to talk about your experience at the BMW in brief. I want to talk about the Tour Championship, and then I want to set up where we are with respect to the Ryder Cup. Um, so first, let me just ask you, how was Victor Hovland's 28? How was his 61? You were there kind of in a hybrid role, journalist slash fan, yeah. I believe, this weekend. I think it came at the absolute uh, most underrated time, or it will be the most underrated back nine, maybe one of the most underrated rounds of the year because we're all thinking about this race to East Lake and we're all trying to get through the PGA Tour playoffs and we're all thinking about who the captain's picks of the Ryder Cup will be. And, you know, who the PGA Tour Player of the Year might be. And suddenly, in the middle playoff event, where there's kind of not nearly as much at stake as the other playoff events, we probably had the back nine of the year and maybe the round of the year, the best round of Victor Hovland's life, he said. Afterward, he was trying to put it into context. Um, It was fun to watch because, holy cow, it was just these flagging everything and and launching these massive cuts up over these huge trees at olympia fields and now granted this course is it was softer uh, than it has probably ever played in terms of like when we watched pro golf tournaments uh in the south side of chicago but holy cow it firmed up a little bit over the weekend and victor was just he was he was peppering the flag i mean his birdie putts i believe his seven um Seven birdie putts on the back nine all came within 10 feet. <laughs> so it was just like everything was on the flag at pin high right around the area. Um, and Rory McIlroy played really well, but like Victor made him look bad by comparison from within the same group. It was damn impressive. I just feel bad that like we very quickly have to turn the page to the tour championship. Like this round should kind of hang with us for a while but we're already on to Atlanta yeah I guess that's the nature of the playoffs but this did feel like well time will tell I guess but this did feel like one of the more enduring performances of the PGA Tour season and you know we'll get into that we'll have a a bit of a look back once we once we finish this uh tour championship run here but man I just I didn't see it coming I did not see like you know I I did I knew it wouldn't be a four under winning score this week but it looked like the course had plenty of fire it looked like the rough was long enough I mean this was just a a beat down um it was cool seeing Victor get another trademark win I mean Memorial was massive for him because 
you know, if you, if you talk about the courses and the events on tour that have a certain cachet to them, I would say that Memorial is right up there. Uh, yeah. Major championship style test signature. And then this is another course that has had a major, um, it's another course that is, you know, no one's mistaking this for resort golf. So for him to do what he did, yes, it was soft. Uh, yes, it was warm. Yes, the ball was traveling, traveling, traveling. But 28, birdieing 17 and 18 when everyone else was kicking around bogeys and falling in and out of the top 30 in the tour championship and everything else. And then Victor just hits it to six feet, pours it in the middle. It was sweet. The uh, Scotty Scheffler, I believe, I believe he turned to the back nine with a four shot lead, or or at the very least, when Victor turned to the back nine, he was four shots back. Yeah, it was Fitz of, and Scotty were like neck and neck, and then the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, I think once Victor, yeah, until Victor birdied ten, he was four shots back. Yeah, and so at that point. Scotty's probably looking at the leaderboards like, well, it's only fits. Like, mm-hmm. That's really my competition here going on in the back nine. He shoots under par. Scheffler shoots under par on the back <laughs> and then loses by two to a guy that he is beating by four. Um, that kind of just shows you how much of a, a very quick boat race it was. Um, Hovland gained seven and a half strokes on the field. So... I, this feels a little unfair. This feels a little unnecessary, but like seven and a half strokes is one less than what Bryson DeChambeau gained on the field in his 58. So if we, if, if, if anyone wants to like remember what that epic final round was like at Live Golf a couple of weeks ago, 58 gaining eight and a half strokes on the field, Victor shot 61 and gained seven and a half. That's why, um, where these things happen very much matters. The, the, the crowd you're doing it against very much matters. Um, well, I mean, so rel- adjusted strokes gain, I'm guessing Victor's round is probably <laughs> better, right? Yeah, better. Exactly. On the That's the whole of point. Field. Yeah. And so um, the data golf would definitely tell you this is a more impressive round than Bristol DeChambeau's 58. We kind of discussed that a couple weeks ago. I don't know why I needed to bring that up, but it just – it, it helps context for, you know, I think the smartest fans in golf, which are the people who listen to this podcast. 58 remains 58. I don't, I don't want to dismiss the, f- you know, the mental and literal accomplishment that it takes to just keep pushing lower when you're already at that number. But yeah, this was a sick round. And on the week with that, the bogey too. On the week that Ken Duke was uh, grabbing his first Champions Tour win, a famous standout round shooter um what what's the price of a beer at the bmw championship uh gosh you know what (laughs) i had one beer yesterday good for you dylan this was a 25 ounce beer (laughs) at (laughs) what point did we go from 12 ounces to 16 ounces to 20 ounces to 24 ounces to (laughs) <laughs> my buddy Deej walked up to me with a 25 ounce Michelob yesterday, and I'm like, Jesus, I haven't really had much for breakfast. <laughs> I is gotta do a, some is writing that in a later. Cup? This is gonna. No, it was in a can. It was just these massive. Oh yeah, cans. yeah. It's like, a, that's tall. A, it's a good tall boy, tall thick boy. Yeah, well, tall and fat boy is what I was calling it. It. Uh, but anyway, I don't even know what it cost. Um, probably ten dollars or something like that. Um, I'll take. The but it was it was fun that. to be. 
to have a uh, to have a home game. You know, I slept in my own bed and covered a tour event this week, which was nice. Uh, I took the train down most days, and Olympia Fields is is absolutely fantastic. The train drops you off at the Olympia Fields stop, and oh, you, wow. like you get off you get off the train. I know you get off the train and you might be 300 yards from the clubhouse. Like you're, 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 you're closer than just about any of the train stations in Scotland get to those golf courses. So it it was, um, that part is really, really delightful. Um, it really got muggy on Sunday, got up to 90 degrees in the heat. I think pros and caddies are really tired of playing in the dog days of summer at the end of a really long season when you kind of felt like you had to play these mandatory events. Um, I think you could see it on players' faces when the PGA Tour was trying to keep them up on you know their FedEx Cup ranking. Like this is where you guys stand at the moment. They had just you know played the last two holes uh, at Olympia Fields, which are the two toughest holes. Bunch of guys finished with bogeys. They come on in. And they're like, hey, you know, you're still in the running to make it to East Lake. And they're just like rolling their eyes because they're like, this season has so been such strange. a yeah. grind. Such a grind. Um, but Chicago fans were out in full force on Sunday. Um, it was kind of a fun weekend. There's the the air show, they call it, um, mm. with like these fighter jets zipping around the lakeshore, just kind of shaking the, the building that I live in. Um, that was good fun. And then, you know, since it's still preseason football, like it was kind of the event in town this weekend. So tons of people were down there. I mean, I know it got hot, but it feels like Chicago in late summer is just a good place to tap into. Like it looked like there were a ton of people there. It looked like the so place to be. Last, last summer, I spent June, July, and August – in St. Andrews. And if I could rewind, I would just spend June and July in Mm. in St. Andrews because August, August feels like, um, it feels like summer is coming to a close. And so everyone is outside at all times. It's just, uh, it's fantastic weather and, uh, the lake shore is the lake shore. And, um, this is no longer a golf podcast. We're just talking about cities like ocean city, Maryland and Chicago and Atlanta. (laughs) but it's uh it's this is like this might be the best month of summer um as we as we get into labor day and i'm glad that the bmw has made such a point to visit chicago um but i got one issue dylan we're not coming back here until at least 2028 for the bmw championship like this event is affiliated with the western golf association which is housed in Chicago or in the suburbs of Chicago. And uh, this event has been played at Medina, Olympia Fields. It's been played at Cog Hill, some of these like Chicago classics. And it's going to Denver next year. It's going to St. Louis, I believe, in um, maybe 2025. It's going out to New York City in 2027 to just host – you know, the umpteenth event at Liberty freaking national. And we don't know when the BMW is coming back to Chicago. And that makes me sad because, um, the tour, I know everyone says this and I'm obviously incredibly biased, but the tour probably should have like a staple 
Midwest event that actually means something. And I guess we go to Dublin, Ohio, but we're always going to go there. Um, the 3M and Detroit are just not going to hold the flag for the Midwest. Chicago really held the flag at the BMW. And now that kind of is a bit wishy-washy, I guess. And that's sad. John, do you're not close enough for you? No, no, it's not. Sorry. All right. No, I mean, it's literally in Illinois, but it's, you know, I guess what I'm you're right. The tour goes to the Midwest a lot, but like, no, it's Which funny. Until you just listed those matter. off, it was like, wow, that's that's crazy. There actually is more golf in the Midwest <laughs> than I would have realized, but it's not. I mean, Memorial is, you could make an argument that Memorial is the greatest PGA Tour event. That thing rocks. Been there a few years, um, and I, I love it. The fans, when Tiger would play that thing and sneaky contend no matter what era of his career he was in, that place was just rocking. And it's in just midsummer peak everything, but it's not Chicago. Chicago. I mean, it's funny when they go to Liberty National in 2027. That's going to have a real like Rutgers is hosting the Big Ten tournament vibe to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's hard to be the biggest event in town in New York ever because people just, you know, New Yorkers don't give a sh. They're like. No. <laughs> You can't rally New Yorkers for a sporting event like you can. Like, I'm talking about the the Manhattan crowd. Uh, you're not yeah. going to rally them for a sporting event the same way you can rally Greater Chicago. And so it yeah. feels. I mean, it feels like there. Even if it was a rotating event just around Chicago, like I don't know. Maybe there's going to be something that frees up in this PGA Tour schedule as things continue to shift around. That'll make more sense. But well, not having Boston area, always, not having Chicago area, yeah. like regularly on the schedule. Like I, I just don't, I don't fully understand it. It all comes down to sponsors. I mean, 3M is all in on the Minnesota area, and Rocket Mortgage is, you know, all in on Detroit, and. Uh, you know, obviously John Deere is all in on like Western Illinois and Iowa. Yeah, there's got to be um, a couple companies in Chicago. I think there's got all oh those my big God. buildings. Absolutely, absolutely. But like, so the tour went to Boston when Deutsche Bank was interested in spending money with the PGA Tour, and so these things, there's a little ebb and flow to what sponsors want to dive in and which want to pull out. Um, but if if yesterday was any like indication of the kind of value you can get out of fans that will show up for it, um, then you'd think that there'd be a sponsor for that. Uh, you know, Live Golf is coming here in a month. Um, it'll, it's The vibe is having been to Live Golf Chicago 1 and having been to the BMW 11 months after that, there is a pretty stark difference uh, in the course and the vibe and everything, the, the build-out that you have out there. Uh, and ironically, it's similar field size, 48 players versus 50. So um, I was reminded, though, like Chicago is hosting the President's Cup in 2026. Really? <laughs> like next year's, yeah, next year's <laughs> President's Cup is in Montreal. The next American one is at Medina in Chicago. Oh, so yeah. We will, wow, I we will, totally we will forgot about turn that. our gaze there. Yeah. I'm, how about I'm, Mc, I mean, hopefully how about McDonald's? still living here at that point. Maybe McDonald's should sponsor a yearly event. They're based right out the side there. United Airlines, official mm. official airline partner of the PGA Tour. You know what? That's a very good point, Dylan. Um, 
that would be on the tours sales yeah. exec team. Get United in <laughs> for an extra $8 million. Or better yet, Alaska maybe, Airlines, maybe more. Chambers Bay, a match made in heaven. <laughs> Call me. Uh, last thought on this because it just – I watch on YouTube TV. That's like my cable provider of choice at this point. And there's a slightly more limited selection of, of uh, commercial inventory. So you tend to see the same ads over and over. And I just mm. – I mean, no one is no one that that falls in this category is unfortunately listening to this podcast. But like, if you are making a golf commercial, like, call us. Have your people reach out to the <laughs> drop zone. We can help you. We can help you not make a completely nonsensical golf adjacent commercial. We can do it because it is our fee would be pretty sh- small too. Like, I don't know if it doesn't have to be much. The, yeah, I, you guys know which one I'm talking about if you've been watching on YouTube TV, but it's it just hits you every commercial break, and you're like, this this doesn't even make sense. What are you guys doing? Well, which one is it? Well, what if they're a future advertiser of the drop zone? It's the one where they take all the clubs out of their bag, no. and Tony Finau's no, hitting it in the be. water with his driver. It just doesn't make any sense. Talking about all the middle <laughs> clubs. No one's ever referred to the middle clubs oh, yeah. before. You're trying to you bolster your portfolio with your middle uh, investments. That's the idea there. It's all about the middle, baby. <laughs> Killing me. Well, I watched, I watched right, a little well, too much BMW Championship, I guess, this week. What are you looking to find down at the next PGA Tour event, that being the, uh, the, tour, the tour Championship? Um, I think what I am most interested in this week is that it's – we really are staring down the first off season for these players in in my mm-hmm. career covering golf. And they'll play. Like they're still gonna play, especially oh man. I mean we should do a deep dive on the on the new D P World Tour schedule at some point because they are doing like a playoff thing of their own. They've got segments, they've got back nine, they've got a whole whole thing coming which means some of these european guys if they really want to be involved are gonna play a a good bit more in the fall um starting next year but you do have the opportunity if you are someone that likes to take time off if you're patrick cantlay who does not play much yep you're not gonna miss much he's not gonna play he's not gonna play (laughs) he's not gonna play much rom's not gonna play much spieth Sure is like he he wanted it off season a month ago. Uh, Rory's Rory not going to take it, a pretty sizable chunk of his fall off. Um, what I wrote about this week, Dylan, is that I'm I'm not sure how far that extends down the ranking. Uh, you know, like Xander's going to go play in Tokyo because uh, he's got Japanese ties within his family. Mm-hmm. There's there's so many of the guys that made it to Chicago this week are set for next year. They're going to play in essentially every single tournament that they would like to play in. You know, if you're 49th in the FedEx cup, maybe you don't get into the masters, but essentially those guys are going to play every event they would like to. And so this was kind of a gravy train week. Um, and they, what they play in the fall is only going to impact their world ranking and, uh, how much money they can make. Like they cannot improve 
their status for next year. They cannot get into any more events that they weren't already going to get into unless they win and then you would get into the Masters. So I guess they could be playing for that. Um, so there will be very minor inspirations to play in the fall. But a lot of these guys have kind of – they have ties to events. You know, Max Home is going to have to, I imagine, go back and play the Fortinet because uh, yep. he's won there a couple times. Um, like I said, Xander will be playing in Tokyo. I was talking to Corey Connors, and he's like – you know, I'm going to take a break, but like if I'm going to be playing golf at home, trying to be playing really good golf, I should probably just be competing in, in PGA Tour events. He's like, you know, I can drive up to the RSM Classic in Georgia from Florida. Why why wouldn't I? But then he's 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 so Canadian nice. He's like, but wait, would I be like taking somebody's spot if they're trying to like, you know, improve <laughs> their FedEx fall yeah. rank? You know, but then, but then he's like, it's a field of 156. If I'm taking someone's spot at that point, they're probably not really in the running. Um, but the point remains, these guys have, they're such creatures of habit. They are so used to playing golf all year round. They are skittish as all hell about taking, you know, a month and a half off or like putting the clubs away for a month because they know they'll come back rusty. Yeah. And, and what if it I never think, comes back? The, I, yes, Absolutely. Fear. You know, I was talking to Tommy uh, Fleetwood for a few minutes about this, and um, he basically said that, like, the guys who will take an offseason, the Roms and the Rorys, they are different. They could kind of snap their fingers in, like, a month's time and get back into major championship form. Um, but if you remember what Fleetwood went through post-COVID, you know, he was over in – I believe he was in England – he might have, I don't know if he had moved to, to Dubai at this point yet, but he was he was at home and he could not um he could not come to America. The borders were closed. And so Tommy hit a bunch of balls on simulators and into nets and kind of lost a little bit of the form that he was displaying early, early twenty twenty. Then struggled throughout the summer to kind of really get going, showed up to the Olympics, didn't really have his best stuff. That's when I met him in Finno. And like it took it took him like a full year to kind of like get back and like really shake off the rust that had crept into his game during COVID during that break. And I, so I think the idea of like taking six weeks off freaks the hell out of him. He doesn't quite have like that all that scar tissue um, wrapped away, beaten away yet. So I think a lot of guys think that way and they would just rather, you know, play a couple events in the fall. Don't get in anybody's way stay sharp ish and then um, be ready to go in January. There's so few guys that are going to be here this week. So few guys. How many buzzing through the list? 30. There's only 30 guys. (laughs) Hideki's not even going to be here. Justin Thomas, not going to be here. A few other guys too. Cameron Young, not even close. It's funny to have guys that are going to be on the Ryder cup team, not be in East Lake. Um, We'll get to that in a second, yeah, but okay. where, where, like, what's your kind of gut instinct on the format here? Because this every every year we get here, and people are like, "All right, here's how we should blow this up." We've got the staggered scoring thing. This is what our fourth year with that. I want to say, what do you think? I think that it uh, suffices to create some excitement often i think it runs the risk of 
the best player in the world getting a head start yeah. and then shooting a bunch of 67s and it not being interesting. Um, it did look that way last this, year for a little while. And then, yeah, Scotty, and then Scotty quoted a little bit and Rory chased him down. But the, this entire thing is a bonus. It's all it is. And I think the tour has not directly just acknowledged that this is, hey, y'all played great this year. Here's the money. You kind of have to earn it a little bit once more. We're going to try to make sure that, you know, in part, in, in uh, as you try and earn it, we try to make it a little bit exciting. But it's just a gravy train. If you show up, you're going to make a ton of money. And um, I think, I mean, it's definitely not perfect. It's certainly not perfect. But at the end of a long season, uh, you know what it... All right, know. let me answer I, I for you because fine. I think I think yeah, yeah, because I think we've we're arriving at sort of the same conclusion where it's like it's fine, you know? It's okay. It's not great. It's not it's a little weird. It's a little, you know, it's it, it feels a little bit like the second, well, I guess third leg of some sort of strange race. Uh and in golf, you don't see typically people starting at different scores. It doesn't it's not really how the game works. It's not how strokes work. But it's fine. Uh, it feels it would feel weird for everyone to start at the exact same number. I think this is better than that because you want to reward season long thing. It's also it's just weird to dole out to translate FedEx Cup points into strokes. But um, I guess I'm okay with it. There's still the difference between first and second being 18 million to 6.5 million. That is bonkers. That is a that's good though. That's a I like chasm. That. Well, it's good because. As these guys make more and more money, these bonus payouts are less and less meaningful. So the irony of the FedEx Cup and and the PGA Tours purse is increasing is that this week is all about the money, and the money is a little bit now devalued as these guys accumulate so much well, wealth. Sure. But just by being here, you've probably made like six mil for the year, right? Um, sorry, that's not yes. a number you're supposed to know, but loosely <laughs> no, speaking, yeah, maybe a little bit less, probably more closer five, but regardless, uh, Dylan, the money is only going up <laughs> next year. You, you just said 18 million for first place this year. Yeah. Try 25 million in 2024. If you're Scotty Scheffler next year, you're, you're playing like this. You have the lead in a one tournament sprint for $25 million. And um, that's why I actually don't mind the staggered system because Scotty Scheffler deserves to have won the most money out of anybody this year. What he has done is insane. And he has handicapped himself by being a very uh, middling putter, but he's done Tiger Woods-esque things, and that is worthy of the biggest payout of all the pro golfers in the entire world. And so if if the handicapped staggered start system gets Scheffler closer to that top payout, he absolutely deserves it. And you know what? Jordan Spieth starting 10, 10 strokes back. He deserves to be 10 strokes back of Scotty Scheffler because he didn't win a tournament this year. I'm glad you mentioned Jordan Spieth, Sean, because he is 29th in the FedEx Cup. 
enters at 29th. And guess how much money he's made this year? $7.24 million. Uh, If he stays, if he finishes in 29th, he will net an additional $510,000. And uh, it's funny, you're not actually super incentivized to like grind it out this week at East Lake once you drop. Well, 10th place pays a million. Uh, 20th plays, pays 640K, and then 30th mm-hmm. pays 500K. So the, the gradient really flattens after you get out of those yeah, top so few he spots. Should, for a guy who wants an offseason, he should just start it this record out of there. <laughs> no, I don't know. You get hot, be. though. I mean, I'm looking at Sung JM starting at two under. I'm pretty sure he moved to Atlanta just for the sole purpose of preparing to play better at the FedEx Cup, starting eight shots back. Isn't playing his best golf, but intriguing. You think that's why he moved to Atlanta? I mean, I don't know. He didn't even have a home before then, so he probably just yeah. I think it was probably just the I end of the Atlanta season. He was like in Atlanta, the, and it's like, well, what do you guys got? I'm just guessing. It's the the massive travel hub of the South. Could probably get these direct flights back to Korea if he wants to. Guessing that might be where it actually. Eighteen million from. pays for um, a lot of flights. Dylan, Jay Monahan is giving a 9 a.m. Eastern time press conference. Tuesday morning, what do you want to ask him or find out from him? It's interesting because some of these questions got answered in Memphis a couple of weeks ago. Um, what I would want him to answer honestly is what the hell is going on with this deal? Is, there, is this going to happen? Because... But don't you think that he doesn't know that? I don't know. That's what I want to know. He's <laughs> got to know something. I mean, it, like I think I think that they they reached the framework agreement in early June. Then Jay took a number of weeks off. We made it through the major championship season. He came back on the Monday of the Open Championship, and it's been a month since then. And so in that month's time, essentially, if there have been meetings between both sides, there probably isn't enough to come up with an, up, an update yet uh, or like a, like a neatly packaged one. What I want to know specifically is whether increased player input, specifically, you know, this list of demands sent to Jay and Tiger's appointment um, on the board makes it more or less likely that this framework deal is going to get done. In other words, yeah, probably less. Yeah. In other words, is, is that, is that the move? Is that what's happening behind closed doors? You know, we hear mutterings. It's hard to separate fact from fiction still, which is why it would be nice for Jay to tell only the drop zone, uh, what is actually going on, (laughs) but I'm not sure we'll get those answers, but uh, you know, I'm sure he'll address it in some form yeah look, i'm curious to see what the media center is going to look like this week who else going to be out i think a lot of people will be down there um jay monahan if you're listening i know he is just give us 10 10 minutes of time um on this on this podcast and you won't regret it um i yeah i i just think dylan like we're still rushing for for answers of definitives on something that ha- there hasn't been enough time in the kitchen yet I think you're probably right. The player involvement, Tiger Woods' involvement, is a, it's not necessarily a wrench in the system, 
but it's you know we're tossing something into the system that uh definitely changes the shape of it all so that is all still way too fresh that's only a couple weeks old the counter argument there would be like okay yasir you're now sitting at the negotiation table with tiger woods or down the road you now are are sitting on a board with tiger woods and for a guy that's interested in that sort of cachet in the standing under the tree at Augusta National thing, having a one-on-one direct access, having an audience with Tiger Woods, that's about as high and exclusive a group as you can get in the golf world. So I don't know if that makes if that makes them any more eager to negotiate uh, yeah. or give up. And that's the thing is I don't even think that that I don't think that that is um, literally what will happen. You know, like Tiger's going to be able to zoom in to policy board meetings. He's not going to be flying around to tour events. Just You're saying it's meet. not going to be literally at, at a at a table. No, and yeah. and you know who also won't be there? Yasir. Yasir. Like, <laughs> um, you know who's going to be doing a lot of the the work on Tiger Woods' behalf? Colin Neville. You know, a guy from the Rain Group, and who's going to be doing a lot of work on behalf of the Saudi PIF, the various people that have already been doing so. You know, yeah, that's Roger Devlin. That is, uh, I forget the name of the the lady who owns part of Newcastle United. Colin, uh, if you're listening, we'd also would like to have you on the drop zone. <laughs> yeah, and so like it's too premature to to, I think even opine on a lot of of what could come um get through the tour championship get through handing out all the fedex cup money then there's gonna be a break yes there's gonna be the fortnet championship which is its own little like island in the schedule then there's gonna be a couple weeks off for the Ryder cup and then it's numbers 71 through 200 that get to compete in the fall for actual relevance that's the time where the you know the big heavy hitters, Tiger, Rory, Patrick Cantlay, John Rahm, they're going to have time off and will probably be able to, they'll probably be more interested in deciding what 2024 ultimately looks like for them. I think that might be the reason why some of these guys are like annoyed at the media right now. It's like it's out of their hands at the moment as long as they're playing golf. They just want to focus on the golf, get through the Tour Championship, get through the Ryder Cup, let Colin Neville kind of like take in the requests and, uh, and demands, and then, then we'll meet at the table in October. Which doesn't leave a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is a December 31st temporary deadline on this thing. Um, but... We'll see. We're not talking with a whole lot of. Um, We're just spinning in circles here. Yeah, yeah. But I, it just remains. I think you're less patient than me. Um, I just think that something is happening right now, and I, I'm not 100 percent clear on what it is. Even if nothing is happening, that's something. <laughs> why don't you? Why don't you ask Jay? What's happening? What is? What's going <laughs> why on? Why aren't you telling us? Come on, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll try to do that. I'll try to get it. I'll try to grab him after. <laughs> um, Sean, you want to, you want to talk about the U S Ryder cup picture coming into sure. focus? Um, mm-hmm. I just, 
think um, there's so much that you can listen to and you can allow to kind of like impact your own thoughts and opinions. Um, it, and so it's a little bit dangerous, right? You got podcasts, chasing podcasts, chasing media, chasing players who have their own opinions. Don't share them too publicly. Um, but the Americans are going to be, well, we got six qualifiers. We've got Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Max Homa. Um, Brian Harmon, Wyndham Clark. Brian Harmon and Wyndham Clark. Colin Morikawa has played a lot better golf this year than he has gotten credit for. He's almost a lock. To, he's got to be a lock to be on this team. <clears throat> Jordan Spieth has played good enough golf and at times really, really solid golf and never like horrendous golf that he will be on this team as well. Cam I would say Young, Colin has played a little bit better golf than he's gotten credit for. I don't know about a lot, but your point stands. He's going to be there. Continue. Well, he hasn't. He hasn't won anything. Um, that's why I don't think he's gotten like credit for it. But yeah, but he hasn't um, contended that much. No, like, it's that, been a while. That, that's his best golf was in January. Right. Continue though. Yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> um, Ricky Fowler's played really well this year. Extremely consistent. Tons of top twenties. He's going to be on this team. I think Cameron Young is where it starts to get weird, so we'll get to him in a second. Brooks Kepka is going to be on this team. He finished seventh in the Ryder Cup rankings. He is more of, I almost think, more of a distraction if you leave him off the team. More questions arise, more hard questions for Zach Johnson, more legacy-defining questions if you go there and lose and you don't have Brooks Kepka on your team. He's going to be on this team, and so... At the end of the day, we're talking about, I believe, Cameron Young's involvement, which Fred Couples has almost already guaranteed, and then the final spot. It's really just the 12th spot. It comes down to Lucas Glover, Justin Thomas, your boy, Keegan Bradley. Um, Sam Burns. Russell Henley. Russell Henley <laughs> Sam has a sneaky... <laughs> claim because i was writing about this on the uh, on the plane last night and pulled up russell henley's season i mean he shot 63 yesterday so that's nice um he finished t2 at the Wyndham, and he finished uh, what i think t6 at at uh memphis he's finished in the top 20 in 11 of his last 14 starts so all the way back to the players <laughs> championship so basically through the most important part of the season he has been really good he all these point systems really reward high finishes you mm -hmm. know sort of like disproportionately if you're if you can contend and then miss the cut that's going to be better than finishing 18th twice in a row or whatever um but he could play well at east lake and then i think if you look back at the body of work he hasn't really been a part of that narrative but if you just look at the body of work I mean, he's right there. He'd be a logical fit, it seems like, for this golf course. But I don't know. He's not in that. I he's not in the system. I want to say something. Yeah. He, if you put him in a, you know, on the, like, if you basically had all of your Ryder Cup hopefuls walk from the clubhouse to the driving range and then hit balls for 10 minutes, 
you would not pick him as the one that out of the crowd the way he walks the way he kind of dresses the way he like carries himself and you know his swing and how you know the the physical gifts that he brings to the golf course he would almost be last among the jt lucas glover keegan bradley group and like that's that's a almost a mean thing to say there's just a little bit of a schlubbiness to it, which is wow. almost even meaner. <laughs> However, <laughs> Dylan. Easy. He's ranked 11th in the world, according to Data Golf. That's inclusive of all countries. That's not just in the Ryder Cup. That's not just America. 11th in the world in, in Data Golf. And that was before that puts this him week, as, right? No, no, no. That's right now. Oh. It puts him as the sixth highest ranked American. Uh that would put him, you know, in the top ten when it, when it comes to uh, including the Americans, like everyone that would be eligible for the Ryder Cup. He's played great for the last twenty months, twelve months, six months, three months. It's all right there. He's playing solid right now. He's not winning tournaments, but the ball is getting in the hole, <laughs> and so it blows me away sometimes to watch it happen, as I just discussed. He doesn't necessarily make it look sexy in the way Cameron Young can get a ball in the hole in a sexy way. Uh, but holy cow, he's been doing it. And so if he has any legitimate relationship with Zach Johnson, um, you'd have to give him a long look. Yeah. I think there there will be some sort of some sort of decent look. I mean, his claim compared to it's like Fred Couples said that Cameron Young is going to be on the team, so then everyone just was kind of like, oh, all right. Yeah, it makes sense. And he's mm-hmm. considered a part of the future. He's so talented. His his like guaranteed inclusion makes a little bit less sense to me than the other picks. Um, yeah. I mean, so like... You know what I was thinking about today? What were you Dylan? thinking about? I'm on the Stairmaster. I'm on the Stairmaster. I'm listening to golf podcasts. Cool. And... <laughs> and I was thinking, God, why the hell did Fred Couples do that? Why did he go out and say Colin Morikawa is going to be on this team? Mm. Spieth's going to be in Italy. Uh, you know, Max Homa, I think he may have included in it. He's going to be in Italy. And I think Cameron he Young, said it because he thought it was such a sure thing, like not even. Well, I think he said it because that helps just narrow the focus mm. of how many places are left. And that really actually inspires players to say, there's not really six Captain Spick spots for me. There's one, maybe one and a half. There might be two spots that I'm playing for if I am Lucas Glover, Keegan Bradley, Justin Thomas, Cameron Young. Um, and so if he says Cameron Young in a you know offhanded way on a radio show is on this team, that's almost just a sign to say, hey, other guys, get it together, Tony Finau. Get it together, Lucas Glover. Even though you know he has, get it together, <laughs> Keegan Bradley. Prove it to us, yeah. damn it! Like there's only a couple spots left on this team. I want to see your best golf here in the middle of the the playoff season. You know, is Fred Couples playing chess while everyone's thinking checkers? I would doubt it, but it's not a horrible idea if you are trying to kind of like spur people into playing for a couple spots. I guess what it almost is is maybe it's Fred Couples playing checkers and just reminding everyone, like, guys, this is actually a simpler thing than you're making it into. Like, a month from now, what does 
this is how I was starting to think about it last night. If you're a European fan, you're probably like, you know, with all due respect, because he's been red hot, you're probably like, yeah, take Lucas Glover. Take Lucas Glover, <laughs> leave Justin Thomas off for sure. Yeah. Like, be our guest. Um, mm-hmm. The Ryder Cup, it's this, it's, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the college football playoff committee, where it's this weird combination of like who's deserving, but then projecting forward who's going to play the best. So it's not just like who has the best resume, it's also like, all right, but when it comes time to play the national championship, like who's who's actually got the best yeah. shot at we winning? We probably this thing? want Notre Dame to be there. Yeah. And so it, uh, it leads to this interesting conversation of of most deserving. I do think that there's been a gap. There's been an opening for someone to bust down the door. And if it, you know, Lucas Glover was well outside the top 100 in the FedEx Cup. So it's not like he was one of those guys waiting in the wings, but if Keegan Bradley, if Denny McCarthy, if uh, you know, shoot, JT Poston, if someone that like had been at the fringe of the conversation won those two events, they would be in without a doubt. Instead, it's been you know like, all right, Tony Finau, are, are you gonna make a move or like where is where is this extra gear, Keegan? We know how bad you want this, but like where is your extra gear? Um, you know, we haven't seen that from everyone. We haven't really seen that from anyone yeah. except Russell Henley would be the closest and then Lucas Glover, but he started so far back that, uh, you know, yeah, it was like, he had the, he, he, he hit the star Mario Kart star. I keep saying this. Um, I've said it a lot. The Ryder cup is going to be close. It's just going to be the way, the way the teams stack up. I mean, you saw Victor Hovland playing with Rory yesterday, shooting 28 on the back nine, and then his first thought after like leaving the green was to tell Rory, Rome's going to be fun, meaning like, look out, because Rory, you played like bad compared to me, and you still ran up the leaderboard, shot four under, and like, can you just imagine uh, session one, <laughs> Friday morning, if Luke Donald's like, yeah, Vic and Rory, why don't you go out there? Literally, like, who who on the American side you'd have to put up to beat them? You'd have to put, like, Scotty out there and, I don't know, Max Homa to be like, can we grab a half point from Vic and Rory? Like, there are just some absolute need-to-have-it, mandatory five-match players on the European team, and I'm kind of scared of every single one of them. That like the yeah. the, the top the concerning shelf of side. Team Europe is oh. sick. I mean, if you look at yeah. you mentioned the data golf rankings right now. Three of the top five spots are are Europeans. Rory at one, Rom at yeah. four, Hovland at five. Um, I mean, Rory and Scotty are essentially a dead heat. Cantlay and Rom mm-hmm. are essentially a dead heat for for that third spot. Uh, Victor and the and Xander are essentially a dead heat for the the number three spot and then you have Tommy mm-hmm. Fleetwood's right right there too so what I find interesting is that this Ryder Cup there are only a few let's assume Justin Thomas is on this team there are only a few uh pairs duos that you are going to guarantee like 
the matchmaking will not crystallize for us until we're seeing these guys play practice rounds in Italy. You know Xander and Cantlay will be playing. They'll be playing in the first session. You can almost assume that if they play all right, they'll play in the second session. They, they might be five-match guys. Um, that's a duo you can, you can guarantee. But on the European side, who's playing together? Who's John Rahm playing with? You have no clue who Victor's going to play with. I believe uh, – I can't remember exactly who Vic played with at Whistling Straits, but who like you kind of want to send Rory out all five matches, but does he play with Shane Lowry? They're really good buddies, but like Shane hasn't, you know, would you, would you be better off pairing Rory with Vic rather than Rory with Shane Lowry? As far as balance goes for Luke Donald, I think that's what they've got to figure Sheffield out. Who's Scotty play you, with? Yeah. Do you pair up the horses or sometimes in the past they've gone like, well, they put Rory with like a veteran, but now Rory sort of is a veteran. I mean, I don't even know. I don't. I'm confused about who's going to be on this European team. Like, it, how how set in stone as our as like our European expert? What uh? I would say, <laughs> I'd say there's nine. Um, there's probably nine, nine or ten locks. Rory, Rom, Vic, Fleetwood, Tyrrell, Matt Fitzpatrick. Justin Rose, that is a group of seven. Shane Lowry will be on the Shane team. Lowry, That's eight. Yeah. The odds makers have Sepp Bobby McIntyre as a mega favorite to be on the team, which I did not realize was like considered he's, that much of a lot. He, he's, yeah, basically he has played so well in a couple events, one of them being the Scottish Open, that his like world ranking um, points almost ensure that he'll be on the team. Um, so Bob McIntyre would be... Nine, Sepp Straka would make it 10, I think, yep. if I'm counting correctly still. Um, I think that that is a very confident group. You can be pretty confident in that group. Like I said, we've been saying it for, for months now. Four guys sit every session until the Sunday singles. So you can really put your horses out there together. I think Adrian Moronk will probably be on the team. Yep. Um, my big Polish friend. And then after that, it's like a true wild card that I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if they just went like Alex Noren, a guy yeah. with actual experience. You can go Ludwig. Who you ask to play Rasmus Hoygaard, like, Noren, yeah. Yannick Paul. Mean, it kind of doesn't matter because that guy will probably play two matches, one being the Sunday singles. And that's fine. Like this is the, the Christian Lehner of the Dream Team scenario. And if they win one of those matches, they're a Ryder Cup hero at some point. So um, I think the European team looks very stout, mostly top-heavy, but you, you know, top-heavy can get you into a lead going into Sunday. So that's kind of all that matters. I'm, I'm just here campaigning for the Rory and Vic duo and just be like, all right, come get us. <laughs> it is just... We, we have, like, two, two of the best players on the planet right now. Come, come try to make more birdies than we make. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. That's a lot of firepower. It is just funny though thinking about the end of the uh, the U.S. team conversation is like oh yeah Justin Thomas Tony Finau Keegan Bradley whatever the end of the <laughs> end of the team Europe is still like hey have you got you guys you guys have heard of Yannick Paul right <laughs> yeah um, Steven Yeager he's playing all right you know Getting people real excited his less than one uh, strokes gained average is like. You know, twentieth best, twenty fifth best. He's been Americans. playing nice. Yeah, I think they should take him, but they're not gonna. Yeah, is he playing this week? No. Nope. 
He's not. There's few enough guys nope. that I even know that. Um, Sean, I'm going to go try to find some of these fellas, see what they're up to. Um, but it's been a, a real pleasure right. talking to you this morning. Yeah. Enjoy the the southern heat. Um, and I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my week off. We'll talk to you seven days from now. All right. Someone will have $18 million more by now, but won't be you or me. Won't be us. <laughs> see you soon. Love you guys.